We be grinding all week just to find us a guest First round of funding, it's time to invest Pardon me if you all leave unimpressed But pardon me if you all leave all obsessed See, you can hold me accountable Following my dreams and working like an animal I'm building something tangible And everything, anything you can have it I'm just doing this for me Hello, welcome to Imposter Interrupted, the podcast for women who are looking to cultivate confidence, face their imposter syndrome, and just get a bunch of learnings from really cool women who are doing the damn thing um, in Canada, in Montreal, and in Ottawa. I am so excited to announce that next week, Wednesday, right now is November uh, 14th, nope, November 15th. Um, and on November 21st, I'm having my first Imposter Interrupted IRL event. It's Meet Your Media Mentor. It's all about um, meeting people in the media and learning either how to break into the media, so like broadcast journalism, produ- producing, um, writing, or learning how to really like package and, pick and pitch yourself properly to the media. Uh, and that's really freaking cool. I have six amazing mentors who've agreed to come on board. The first is Sophia Salador, a, a senior associate producer at the Just for Laughs Festival. And for those who know me personally, she's my, well, like my best friend. Um, so she is doing this awesome thing for me. And she's so good at producing festivals, at finding talent, at knowing like which kind of comics go together and will will like create or like chemistry to have a really really good show she's a super super good producer so i'm so excited she agreed to do that although i would have been like what the hell if she had not agreed because we are friends and you still live together so the second um mentor is sarah de she's a morning producer at cjd which is a radio station here in montreal she's been a, a morning producer for a long long time she writes occasionally for the montreal gazette which is a newspaper also in montreal and does a bunch of other um journalism things she's also like a uh you know a veteran in the field in terms of like our age group she's a really cool young mentor and i'm super excited that she agreed to do this as well i have kimberly sullivan who is a weather specialist on global tv she hosts two shows on matt tv and she has her own really really cool blog matt tv is um videotron's kind of like house channel if videotron is your cable provider also again in montreal in quebec where we live um so she's super cool and if you ever wanted to check out her blog it's really amazing she she really opens up and is vulnerable about her story and um it's something really to check out i read it and i was super enthralled like you don't often have people opening up about situations like the kinds that she talks about in her blog so i would really um encourage you to google kimberly sullivan uh, and find out what I'm talking about. And then we have Karen Eldor, who formerly worked at Aldo in the corporate environment and then left to be a freelance writer and really found success there. She is now a senior contributor at Forbes. She writes for Teen Vogue, Coveter. Um, she recently was in New York with the Betches. Um, if you don't know who the Betches are, look them up and read their book nice is just a place in france or nice is just a place in france they're super funny and great and they have a million good podcasts also um and then last but definitely not least also super cool nantalie and dongo she 
is the host of CBC's The Bridge, which is their culture show. She's also a cultural contributor at CBC. And she recently interviewed Roxane Gay for the BD Lecture, which is something that happens yearly in Montreal um, around October, run by Miguel, where, where I also work, uh, during the day. And so she got to interview Roxane Gay, who's like one of my friggin' idols. Again, if you don't know who Roxane Gay is, Google her. She loves the Housewives and Vanderpump Rules as much as me. She's really cool. She goes after people on Twitter like crazy. And um, her book, Bad Feminist, really like speaks to my soul. And then some of her other books include um, Hunger and Difficult Women. And she also writes fiction. I've never read any of her fiction, but I, I really would like to. Um, but Hunger and Bad Feminist and Difficult Women are uh, essays, books of essays and nonfiction. So they're really great. And I think you should um, definitely check it out. And Nantalie is super, super cool too. And so those are all six mentors who are coming next week on Wednesday to be the speed mentors at my speed mentoring event. We're going to have between, you know, three and six mentees with each mentor for 10 minutes and then it will will move like a speed dating format um, and the group is going to be very small so that people can really make you know lasting and impactful connections with those mentors and hopefully carry those relationships on into the future so that is all my news <laughs> i would love to introduce the guest today she is jesse sternthal she's a freelance uh storyteller she is a writer, She's works in branding, she's a creative, she's super, super, super cool. She was, um, you know, working in the corporate agency world in Montreal again for many, many years and she finally took the leap last year um, into freelance dumb, which is a really crazy leap for everyone, but especially for her, you know, she has a, a mortgage, she left like a very... Um, a big position at a big agency you know great comfort to like take this crazy dive and jump into entrepreneurship and I think it's so cool and she is a really super um eloquent she's a great speaker she's really good at speaking um you'll hear in my the interview um and she's like a really cool mentor too for me just in terms of you know thinking about being brave and the courage that it takes to be an entrepreneur to be a speaker to really like put yourself out there she's super good at it she's funny um and i think that you'll really enjoy this interview so thank you and next week i have a life coach jesse malls who is going to be my guest i also interviewed her like months ago this with jesse was also taped like in the summer i have so much backlog everyone who listens to this and knows where's my episode it's coming <laughs> i'm so sorry I, I you know at mcgill we have summer fridays so we don't work on Fridays for the whole summer. So I was recording these all on Fridays and I did a ton and now I have to edit and release them. So I'm doing that and I know and I really thank everyone for listening and being interested. And I especially want to give a shout out to Danny Joe who or Danielle who um, was a guest a while back. She's the co-founder of the female department. She's really cool and nice. And I recently went to her event last week um, called She Works, and it was a partnership with WeWorks where we had like a mini pitching session, and it, they just 
like really create an environment that's super open and warm and friendly and you can make like real connections and real kind of friendships at those events um i'm sure everyone listening like already knows the female department knows what they're about but if you don't i really encourage you to check them out their next event is like a vision board and goal setting workshop in december it's super cool i also am going to do an under the imposter interrupted umbrella a goal setting workshop and another meet your mentor but this one's going to be like communications marketing and um pr mentors instead of actual like journalists so um keep your eye out for that that's going to be in january and i really hope that you guys enjoy this thank you bye Thank you for doing this with me. I'm so excited and sorry that it's early in the morning. It's all good. I am such a morning person. So. <laughs> um, so basically how we start is I ask you to tell me like your story and all of the different points of impact, not all of them, but like right. <laughs> the big points of impact that led you to like where you are, how you like got the courage to go freelance. Sure. Um, yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, so, um, yeah, so essentially I'm, I'm a senior advertising copywriter and since I've gone freelance, I've actually retitled myself as a brand voice giver. So essentially what I do is uh, I create personalities and voices for brands with words through a big idea. So any kind of aperture that is, whether they're, you know, pre-rolls or TV spots or radio spots or a social presence. That's really what I do. And I've actually been doing it for 14 years, which is shocking to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's shocking because I remember so vividly starting out in this business. And uh, it was actually, I think the biggest part of my story was that I had um, connected with a creative director when I was 21 years old. And she ultimately became my mentor for like my entire career. We ended up working together for, I think, just shy of 11 years. Wow. And it was really her who met me when I was just finishing Concordia in communications and she urged me to go to Toronto and you know go to Humber College and get a, a degree or a diploma in media copywriting and and it was there that I really kind of like discovered this amazing subculture of people who were writing stories for brands and 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 writing all kinds of cool stuff so Toronto was an amazing experience I spent four or five years there I did a couple of internships and that's when I really got hired and someone actually started paying me which was <laughs> which was a good thing because my poor parents were paying for the whole thing so um that's really where i started my career and then i moved back to montreal when i was 26 and since then i i've really enjoyed an amazing english writing career at a variety of agencies and i was able to work my way up from junior copywriter all the way up to associate creative director and which is exciting. Yeah, which is exciting. And it's been, it's really, it's kind of humbling when I look back because when you're going through it every day, you don't really realize how far you've come. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of a cool moment when you're able to step back and go, oh my God, like, I can't believe I've done all of that. So well, that's been really cool. And also like that you wake up and you can be like, I'm an expert in this. Like it's, <laughs> it's really cool to like have an expertise. Yeah. But so. that's funny, but that's an interesting word because I, I don't know that I wake up every day and think I'm an expert. You know, I, I think that I think that I wake up every day knowing that there's something I do well-ish, oh, and I, I think I've kind of <laughs> I've honed into that and I've I've worked that um, for for a bunch of years. But yeah, thank you. I'm sure you, I'm sure you do it better than well-ish. <laughs> um, so now you're a freelancer. Yeah. What what kind of like catapulted you 
to be on your own because that's a huge step. It's a huge step, and that's that's an it's an, that's an amazing question. Um, it was by far the scariest, most courageous thing I've ever done, and I think. Not only I think did it surprise everybody around me, but it shocked me. It scared the hell out of me that I made that decision. And I think what really prompted it was like a perfect storm of little events. You know, in, in the same year, I went through a difficult breakup. You know, a really good friend of mine got diagnosed with cancer. It, it was a tough 10 months, you know? And I found myself uh, also you know, at an agency, a really good agency with really great people. I had a really, you know, big role at a big title, but I just wasn't feeling love for the work anymore. It, it, it just like, I wasn't producing anything. I, it just, I was sort of losing my luster. Mm -hmm. I think that's the perfect way to put it. I was losing my luster and anybody who knows me well knows that I'm all about luster. Yeah. <laughs> if, 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 you know, if I'm walking around and I don't have that, that little light on, it's, it's noticeable. Yeah. And so it was, it was a trifecta of things that happened. And I literally think I woke up one morning and I said, I need to make a change. And I need to take control back. I want to control my work. And I want to I feel amazing again. And I knew that doing something like going off on my own um, starting my own business was the way to do that. And when you say that, when, when, when I hear you say that, like you're losing your luster, do you think, and I think you probably answered this, but that that meant that you like weren't being true to yourself? You know, I think I was being true to myself, but I think, um, I think I, I didn't feel like I was using my, my true value anymore. And it's very easy, especially in the advertising business. Um, you know, I don't know how many people are listening today who know the, the ad industry well, but it's an amazing place and it's an amazing community to be part of. But it's really hard. Yeah. It's really, really hard. And the higher up you get in the industry, the more eyes are on you, the more pressure is on you, yeah. the higher the stakes. And sometimes that kind of energy um, can really dull the love of creative, which yeah. is really at the core of what we do. So the luster that I was lacking was that 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 creative um, product. I felt far from it. Yeah, I felt like I was a cog in a wheel of lots of people and lots of layers of approval, and that's everywhere. Yeah, and so I was like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be the one who kind of approves my stuff in a way yeah so that's kind of what that's where that luster that lack of luster was I needed to get that back yeah I have a good friend who is similar to you like she is now the like director of strategy somewhere and she was telling her boyfriend like I just want to do strategy like I don't do anything I'm just managing people all the time like when will I get right. to do strategy yeah. and he was like probably not. if you stay as a director of people like I don't think you'll ever be able to like really do it again like yeah and she was like oh so that's something I think when you get like high in creative agencies like you don't get like you're just saying I think that's kind of like universal in that yeah it's, in it's that really industry. universal it's really universal so I was I was able now I'm able to really um, every day all day I just do creative work and I do it for a variety of people um, I work for several agencies in the city I'm so grateful to all of them they've all been so supportive and amazing and uh, I think the best part of it is that there's no two weeks that are the same. 
I have no idea what I'm doing from one week to the next, which for a type A person <laughs> is actually, is actually uh, you'd think it would be very stressful, but I've actually learned to really ride the wave. I'm just riding. I, I kind of love that feeling of like, okay, maybe I'm going to be working on an event next week, or maybe I'm going to be writing a pharmaceutical campaign, or maybe I'm going to be shooting a corporate video yeah. for a yoga studio. So it's really, it's really cool. That is really cool. That is. So when, like this, obviously we're talking about imposter syndrome as la grande ligne, like in this podcast. Yeah. So how for you, like, is that something you experienced? And then like, how does that look different? Let's say as a Montrealer in Toronto, as a young woman in like a corporate environment. And then how does it look different now as someone who's really just held accountable by yourself? That's a great question. I, I think I think the interesting thing about imposter syndrome, you know, I'm in the second half of my 30s and I've been doing this long enough to know that it's at its worst when you're younger. It's at its worst when you're entering um, an industry or starting at a new company. There, there seems to be, and I, I can't speak for a guy because clearly I'm not a guy, <laughs> but the, I, I've heard it a lot amongst young women that there's a feeling of what if they figure me out? Like, what if I'm somewhere and they know that I don't really know what I'm doing? Yeah. And when you start talking to people about that, and I know you've done a great job of that through your podcast, but when you start talking to people about that, you realize that A, it's very comforting because everybody has gone through it. I have a great little story that is kind of comic about imposter syndrome. So several years ago, this is so, it's like, it's insane for me to even tell it, but I remember it really vividly. I was working at an agency um, for this particular creative director who, who I worked with forever. And we were working on a pitch and it was a very, um, it was a high profile piece of business. There was a lot of pressure around creating work for this pitch. And somewhere along the way, the pitch became only television. And for, for listeners who are kind of just tuning into this and going like, okay, well that sounds pretty fun. Yeah. Um, what you don't realize is if you're a creative who hasn't done a lot of television, which up until that point in my career I hadn't, that's terrifying. <laughs> so I used to have this insecurity about writing TV. I was strong in other areas, but somehow when I sat in front of that blinking cursor, I was like, I'm a fraud. I'm terrible, they're going to figure me out and they're going to fire me. So I was walking home from work one day completely um, uh, consumed and distracted and thrown by the fact that suddenly all I had to do was write a bunch of kick-ass TV scripts. <laughs> and I'm walking home from work and I'm getting into that rabbit hole, that vortex of like, I'm going to get fired and then I'm never going to get hired again. And by the time I almost reached my house, I actually picked up my phone and I called my creative director after hours at her home, oh, total lunatic, <laughs> so, so deep in the spiral. And I called her up and, and she, I remember her answering the phone like, yes. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I, I've been thinking about it and I'm walking home. I think you should hire a freelancer to write all of the TV because I, I, I really don't know that I'm going to get there and I, I'm worried it's not going to be good enough. She literally cut me off like a knife, like <laughs> mid-sentence. And I believe what she said was, are you out of your mind, <laughs> woman, girl? She says, you, you will write them. They will be terrific. And all is going to be okay. 
Um, the moral of the story is I got myself to that place. Yeah. And the moral of the story is I, I did write them and, and we did more than okay. We, we won that piece of business. And there so <laughs> I, I think with imposter syndrome, it's really important to remember that we manufacture it and we create it. And uh, you probably won't be where you are unless you knew what you were doing. That's what I always remind myself. If I feel it in a room, even today, if I feel it, if I'm working at an agency and I'm like, oh man, how are we going to pull this off? How am I going to pull this off so quickly? Yeah. Um, you got to just remind yourself like, I'm here for, I must be here for a reason. I must be here because I kind of know what I'm doing. Yeah. So I think that's a really good way to overcome it. Um, and then like, that's a really good way to overcome it. And then like, is there something else you do to kind of like cultivate confidence hmm. over the years? Fake it till you make it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I think I think a really big lesson, um, and I'm, st I'm still working on this, you know, I, I think a really big lesson is um, when you think other people in the room are thinking about you and they're judging you and they're asking themselves what's she doing here or is she good enough to be here um the reality is they're not thinking about you at all yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're they're not they're not people aren't thinking about you and we, we tend to make it you know about us. about us um so how do i cultivate confidence i remind myself of that and i remind myself like hey i got to where i am i'm i'm gonna do my best and if this one doesn't work out the next one will and are there some things like in your life that you do to kind of like, because work is one thing, but also like, I think you need to cultivate confidence in other ways, like in your life. Oh my God. Yeah. It's are so there important. like some practical things that you do? Like, I know that you're a really big exerciser. You know, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't live without vigorous exercise several times a week. I think it's really important. I've been doing these amazing beat spin classes for three years and the instructors know how much I, I, I love it and I care about it and it, it really like centers me and it really gives me so much confidence for the day and for the week because it's something that's really hard to do. Yeah. And I think if you, if you do stuff physically that's difficult to do, you leave the room feeling like you can then go home and work and do really hard things or you can, you know, deal with, you know, things in your personal life that are worrying you or bothering you, you can deal with it that much better. So exercise is a big outlet for me, yes. Yeah. And so you talked about kind of like your your um, mentor. Yes. And you have, I think, this community at SPIN. And like, what, how does, what does your support system look like? Yeah, so, you know, my family's a huge support system. I mean, I know everybody talks about their parents and people have had such different relationships with their parents and stuff, but I have to say my... My parents and my big brother and my big sister were, were tight and we all support each other and we, you know, my parents were incredibly supportive of me going freelance, although they were really concerned about health insurance. Like we really, <laughs> there was a lot of emphasis on, but what about dental insurance? <laughs> what are you going to do when you go to the dentist? Um, you know, but besides the insurance bit, um, very, very, very supportive and, um, I'm incredibly lucky to have that. I don't, I don't think I could have taken this leap and I don't think I'd be where I was without them. And, and I have to say, as, as stupid as it sounds, social media. Yeah. Like, everybody's really quick to kind of turn up their nose and like, oh, it's such a waste of time and it's such a this and it's destructive to relationships. And yeah, it's all of those things. But I have to say, sometimes if I put like a witty little status out there, and I get a whole bunch of, you know, laughing faces. 
that, that actually gives me a lot of confidence as a writer, I have to tell you. It oh. kind of makes me be like, okay, cool, yeah, that was a good little line, and that's a great insight, and maybe I'll use it in something, because I see that the public sort of liked it. Yeah. So it's a nice task for me. Oh, I think I understand what you're saying about the negative stuff, but it's like really don't have community that much like in this like globalized world like community sort of like falls away and unfortunately like it comes back up in social media yeah like I have like housewife I love the housewives nice <laughs> like really Amazing. intensely I, I, I don't know I've been watching some my 800 pound life lately it's oh my God. really shocking La- this it's week hard. he doesn't listen so it doesn't matter but I had this huge fight with my boyfriend about going to therapy and I was like it's my religion like I'm asking you to go to church basically like it's so important to me whatever and he was just like no anyways it was a huge fight right and we go home and TLC was just on and it was my 600 pound life and the woman oh is it 600 or 800 it's I think probably it's different yeah <laughs> either way I think between six or 800 you're still yeah it's too much you're in a bad place but this lady was having the exact same conversation on this show with her doctor. Her doctor's like, you can't have the surgery without going to therapy. And she was like, no. And it was this verbatim, <laughs> the same exact conversation. And I was like, look at this. Like, right. like, I'm not delusional. This My TLC is showing this conversation. Like, it's mainstream. You have to go. Yeah. But anyways, it's so funny because it really, like, I don't know why. Like, it's so soothing. Like, it's the same thing with Law & Order. Like, there's a very, like, cyclical, yes. soothing atmosphere on these shows. I know. I know it's just good it's great but I have this like online community of people who like love housewives and I reconnected with this girl from high school my friend from San Francisco oh yeah on there and she was like oh we're doing like a live podcast a housewives podcast in San Francisco like come stay with me for like three days that's and I, like, amazing when I stayed with her and they were like super good friends and it was like a conversation with her that was the catalyst for my whole podcast so all to say. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I think social media can be like really powerful and, and positive. I think it can be. And I, I th- and I think it's it's getting a bad rap. And I think the people who are, are using it destructively, um, that's really bad. But I, I think if you're using it to sort of put little, uh, little thoughts out there and cool little moments out there and you're actually getting stuff back from it and it makes you feel good, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I really think if you give like if you put love and authenticity like into the world like you mostly get love back absolutely so absolutely i think that's good (laughs) me too um do you have like a i know you have your parents and your mentor but do you have someone else maybe that you don't know who had has had like a really big impact on your life in terms of like being a role model or i know this is gonna sound so crazy and so far-fetched but um after i read tina fey's book bossy pants and I read it twice, which is really rare for me to read something twice. Um, yeah, she's such a like she's such a comedic uh, idol to me, and and I, I think because um, her story is so amazing, and it's like she really comes from from you know such a humble humble start, and um, I, I love the way she was kind of a writer in the in, in the you know behind the scenes for a really long time before she people even even knew who she was, and she was writing this incredible material and. I just, I think she's amazing. And if I could meet one person and have dinner with them in New York City, it would be Tina Fey. Although it would be a terrible dinner because I'd be so nervous that <laughs> I wouldn't talk and, and maybe I would spill something. But um, I suspect she would put you at ease. 
She probably would. And she's probably used to people like me who are a little bit, <laughs> oh my God, you're so brilliant and hilarious. So yeah, like I think I think she she's kind of a she's a distant a distant, distant role model. Yes. Is there like a goal that you have failed to accomplish? That's an interesting question. Yeah, I guess I I don't want to think of any goals in my life as having failed to meet, because any goals I have or have left, um, I've got a lot of goals left. It just means if they haven't happened yet, they will happen. Okay. It just means that the timing hasn't hasn't happened yet. Um, so yeah, there's, there's stuff I want to accomplish in my personal life. Um, there's something I'd really like to accomplish in my professional life. Uh, What's that? <laughs> that would be to write a book, to write a book of short stories. Um, like not essays, fiction? Yeah. No, based on, based on real life. So based on real life, lots of really funny, weird things have happened in my life and to me I don't know I'm, I'm a magnet for stories like I posted a story like about the grocery store the other day on on Facebook and it was quite a long story yeah um but it was just like ridiculous I think I read that what could do you want to tell the story basically I it was very Seinfeldian um and it, like an entire episode of Seinfeld could have been built around this 15 minute scenario that occurred at, at, at a grocery store at 515. I basically had like 12 or 13 items in my grocery cart and it was packed. It was like everyone was hungry and there after work and like stressed. And I got in the regular grocery line um, to, to just pay for my groceries. And there were quite a few people in front of me. And anyway, that cashier, she said to me, she kind of looked at me, she like motioned like, you can go to the next cash because there's nobody there. But I looked over at the next cash, and it was a it was a five items and less cash. <laughs> I had thirteen items, so being you know a law abiding citizen <laughs> and not wanting people to like attack me, I said to her, "Oh no, thank you. I, I have too many too many items. I'm going to stay in this line." And uh, she insisted, like, "No, no, no. Go go over there. There's no one there." So I'm like, "Okay." So like, I angled my cart out of line, and I went to the five items or less line, and I basically started unpacking my thirteen items. <laughs> And that cashier told me I wasn't allowed to be there. <laughs> and she reprimanded me for it. And I, I was like, oh, okay, well, it's just that your colleague told me that I, I could be here. So I started re-unloading the groceries into my arms. And there were things rolling. Like I lost a tomato. Like oh, no. a tomato rolled across the floor. And like I dropped a corn. And it was really bad. And so I'm holding all these groceries again. And she said, you need to let the other people in front of you. And so I started letting all these five items or less people in front of me. And by now it's like six o'clock. And I, I'm like, can I just pay for my groceries? Like, so I put my items back onto the, the, the conveyor belt. And, and she yelled at me again. And then a woman behind me shouted, go to the other line. And I'm like, I, I was in the other line. And, Anyway, it was just this ridiculous thing. And then this young, this really, you know, cute young guy wearing a McGill sweatshirt. I think he thought I was younger than I actually am. Uh, he gave me a little wink. He's like, I heard the other cashier say it was okay for her to be in this line. So that was just, you know, that was a very small and, you know, not really big punchline-y story. But um, a lot of... very oh, curb your Larry it David. It is. It's very Larry David. But a lot of things have happened. So I, I would love to... Um, I'd love to put a, a book together of short stories that have that have happened, just kind of funny, witty little things that I think people over the years have enjoyed hearing. And do you do you like see yourself as a more as like a comp writer with like a comedic edge? 
I don't know. I I don't consider myself a comedy writer. I think I have a good sense of humor. I think uh, I really appreciate wit and I really get wit. Um, but I think more of what I've built a career on is human insight. I think that's I think that's my strength. I think if I had to really um, exploit my strength, it's uh, I, I I'm I'm quite able to um, understand what people desire and what they fear and what they love and what they hope for and that's really the core at any big idea for any brand and I think if you can tap into that insight um, you're going to do work that matters and you're going to do work that people want to read and consume. Where do you think you got that insight? How do you? I, I couldn't even answer it. I think I think um, some people are just good at reading people. Have you, when you were like a little kid, yeah. what did you want to do? Like what were some things that you liked to do that you think were like uh, foreshadowing here? That's, I love that question. It's, it's so, would it, would it be so crazy if I said this? I was always a storyteller. I was always, I was always, I mean, I asked my parents sometimes what I was like when I was little and they said, you were very funny and you were very emotional. <laughs> um, and you you liked to act things out and you were very active and I was very curious um, so I think I think you know we're all born the way we're born with with personality traits and stuff and so I think it was from a very young age I always knew I was going to be in a career where um, I was putting something out there because I seemed to enjoy that very much yeah. and I seemed to like chatting and telling stories and trying to make people laugh it doesn't always work but so I, I think it really started when I was pretty young and yeah. I actually knew I wanted to do this when I was I was very clear on what what I want to do in my life when I was by the time I was 18 or 19 I knew I wanted to be an advertising writer I just went for it how did you even know like what that was because someone came to speak to my class at Concordia in my final year and uh he worked at one of the big, big agencies here in Montreal, and he did a presentation um, about, you know, how an ad agency works and all the different players and all the different people in the creative department. And um, I just remember sitting in that presentation, and it was such a eureka moment. It was like, I want to be a copywriter. Yeah. I want to. I want to go into to an ad agency every day and write stuff and write jingles and write stuff like that. And it was this mentor who I spoke about very early on in, in this conversation. Um, it was her who, who, who really prompted me. I, I went to go see her after that guy spoke at our class at Concordia. And uh, she was really the pivot. She really launched my career. And it was, it was thanks to her that I, I took all the steps to make it happen. Yeah. That's really important. Like mentors are, seem to be really important. I don't think... They're so important. I don't think that people can like really get to where they're trying to go without that. That's what I've learned in this process anyway. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so important. If you're young, if you're in your 20s and you're starting out, find someone more senior in that business. Yeah. If you're a woman and if, if you're a girl and it's easier for you to, to find, to seek out a woman who's doing it, and I, I don't think it's gender-based, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, I know so many talented of both and I respect so many talented of both um, but it's a really really valuable thing to have you know 
it's one thing to go freelance when you're like in your 20s and you kind of like are renting or whatever mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. to, to make that leap when you like have a house you have to like yeah. you have to like really make ends meet like it's mm-hmm. even more of hence, a leap hence yet <laughs> henceforth yet um the the word courage and terror when i did it yeah um I knew there was a base minimum that I needed to make to continue to live a life where the bank doesn't seize my home <laughs> and Volkswagen doesn't take my car away. And um, yeah, but but joking aside, I didn't do this blindly. Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's an important you know message to get out there um, for anyone who's considering doing this. Um, I don't have a second income in my home right now. Um, so I knew that I needed to make a certain amount and I was somewhat certain, not very certain. There was a, there was an iota of certainty, um, that thanks to the network that I've been able to build over the years here in the Montreal and Toronto ad scene, I knew I would have a minimum amount of work. Mm -hmm. I knew that I wasn't coming in like a total out of left field, no one's ever seen my work, no one's ever known me, I would never have done that because that's suicide. Yeah. So, no, I, I knew I would have a, enough work. I hoped I would and um, knock on wood, I'm knocking on something that, that continues. So that's been great. Great. Do you have something in your personal life that's like a baggage you carry that like maybe doesn't affect your professional life necessarily in terms of like what you what you produce but kind of like that you some a baggage that you have that your profession your personal self has that transfers over into your professional self or vice versa like Hmm, interesting yeah I mean I I don't I mean I think I mean listen I, I I think everybody has a little bit of baggage I think everybody I think every human walks around with you know, the experiences that they've had and the experiences that have shaped them and hurt them and, and, and all that stuff. I don't think there's one particular kind of thing that I walk around with on my back, like mm-hmm. a backpack. Um, if anything, I will say that my career, what I do for a living, has actually been really good for my personal life. Mostly because um, every boyfriend I've ever had thinks what I do is really cool, <laughs> even though it's not that cool. And I think, and, and you know, I, I never date guys in the creative business. Like, so try, try going out for dinner on a Saturday night with an accountant who's got a really good idea for a TV spot. <laughs> That's pretty much been uh, my life for, for a while. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think it's cool. I think, um, I think my, my, my personal life has benefited from from the what I do and, and and my excitement and passion for what I do I think people find it interesting amazing and for a freelance you must have a pretty good accountant <laughs> you need to have a yeah, really I'm smart really accountant on your team yeah I'm bad I'm bad at numbers I'm bad at math I need a professional to help me which I do yeah yes I know that yes my dad is freelance and I know that if he we would be like on the street if there was no accountant and your dad is an amazing <laughs> writer by the way he's phenomenal your parents I've been talking to a lot of my friends and like it's like we realize and then our parents like have situations where their weaknesses show extra at the same exact time as we're really seeing those weaknesses for the first time right 
right? It's like very jarring. It's very jarring because like <laughs> you never really think of your parents. I mean, you think of your parents as people, but they're parents. Yeah. They're sort of like, they sort of stay in a parent place. Like they shouldn't yeah. ever, you know, like you, it's, it's almost weird when you get those glimpses of, of pe- vulnerability yeah. or whatever. Of personhood. You know? Of personhood. Like, exactly. <laughs> cool. And they see it so much with us, right? When you're raising kids, it's like all you, you you're, you're so in the personality of your kids yeah. and, and all that stuff. So it's kind of weird to flip the script and go, you know, to look at your parents like that. Yeah. It's super weird. Um, it's uh, it's crazy, but no, my dad is super talented, and he also has fun. Like that's something that I think, like the fact of not having to go to work. Yeah, but that's it. But that's an interesting myth that I want to debunk because since I've gone freelance, I think the number one question people have asked me, or the number one comment they've made, actually, that's more um, that that's that's an easier thing to say, is oh, that's so cool. You get to just work from home all day. Yeah. So. I actually never work from home. You always uh, go into it. I, I really love working at the agencies. I, I like being surrounded by people during the day. Um, I've made so many new friends that way, which has been amazing for me. Um, and I find sometimes if I stay home and work, it's um, a little tougher to stay on task. So yeah. there's always kind of, you know, groceries to do or laundry to do or, you know, a snack to be made. Yeah. Maybe too many snacks to be had <laughs> more, more accurately. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I enjoy working from agencies quite a bit. I usually choose one day a week to work from home and that kind of, I make it feel special. Yeah. Like I, that's when I'm like, yeah, this is really cool. I can do this if I want to do this. I guess it requires like extra emphasis on your time management and like discipline skills. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's cool. I, when I started this, I told myself that regardless of what the workflow was, whether it was 10 hours a week, whether it was 60 hours a week, I was going to work Monday to Friday and not work Saturday and Sunday. So I was going to mimic my full-time life, but in a, in a different way. And I've managed to do that. So I really do work Monday to Friday. If I have to, you know, jump on something on Saturday for an hour or two, it's not a big deal. But for the most part, I've kept my schedule really similar to what it was. Yeah. Also, because it's comforting to me. I think because I get scared sometimes. And it's like <laughs> there's a there's a sense of comfort in like a ritual that I know. Like I know that ritual. I know that everybody goes to work Monday to Friday and everybody relaxes Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. That's what I know. That's what I continue to do. I think it's good, and it's me also too. important in terms of like boundaries and like self-care and stuff to totally because I, I yeah I think um routine is really important it is for me at least so the last question that I have yeah. is how do you define success and within that definition who is the most successful person that you know whether you actually oh. personally know them or not oh that's a great question how do I define success I do not define it. I do not define it through monetary wealth. That is what I will say. I have known people throughout my life who live uh, very, very, very beautiful lives in terms of stuff. And they're really, really unhappy. And they're really unhappy in their lives and in their jobs. Um, so that is not successful to me. Yeah. I think success uh, is... Uh, loving what you do. I think it's making enough money to live the way that you want to live. And um, I think it's reputation. 
those are my three things. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. And who has, you know, who's the most successful person okay. that you can think of? Oh, he's going to be so happy when he hears this. My dad. Oh. My dad, because he's the nicest, he's the nicest man you'll ever meet. Um, and I have yet in my 39 years to go anywhere in this city and um, say what my last name was and someone not say, oh, are you, you must be Dr. Sternthal's daughter. Um, so my dad is someone that um, everybody loves. And that's what I say when I talk about reputation and success. It's, uh, it's, it's truly being um, really, really liked by people and being good at what you do. And I think that creates a, a perfect storm of, of having a great life. Amazing. What a good note to end on. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was fun. I'm still blushing, by the way. <laughs> hey. uh. We be grinding all week just to find us a guest. First round of funding, it's time to invest. Pardon me if you all leave unimpressed, but pardon me if you all leave all obsessed. See, you can hold me accountable, following my dreams and working like an animal. I'm building something tangible and everything. Anything.